Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Back to our familiar theme tune today after yesterday's rather more funereal sound. But no better for England, really, uh, after the second day's play. Um, There's a touch of inevitability about it, Simon. Give us the update. Well, Australia, 343 for seven. Big lead, close to 200. Big partnership between Warner and Labuschagne of 156. England got themselves back in the game. They took some quick wickets. But then Travis Head came out and smashed the third fastest Ashes 100 ever in 85 balls. And England, by the close of play, were on their knees. Despite some excellent bowling from the three main pace bowlers, Wokes, Robinson and Wood. But the damage was done yesterday and Australia ultimately rubbed it in today. And the question is... Are we heading for a three-day match? Yes, well, we'll come to our predictions a little bit later. Um, actually, how we should think about our predictions from yesterday first and how uh, close or far away we were. In fact, we both suggested after the first day's play, what would be the score at the end of the second day? We both went for about 190 for four. You said 189, I said 190. And it, although we're, it sounds as if we're way off the mark because the end of play, Australia got a lead of nearly 200, but... Actually, sort of midway through the day, or perhaps around the tea interval, we weren't far off. Yeah, at tea, it was 193 for three. And of course, yesterday at tea, on the first day at tea, that's when it rained. And that's what we were anticipating. So at one stage, Australia were 195 for four just after tea. But the, the difference t- uh, today was that actually the weather stayed fine. And Australia had that glorious 
final session when Travis Head played that magnificent innings. So I think what we're going to do is call it a, a sort of honourable score draw and sort of the weather let us down on the first day. So it's all half a point each after <laughs> our, for our first sort of predict the next day's play. We'll, right at the end of this podcast, we'll predict the score for the third day of this Test match. Where should we start on today's play, Yoz? I mean, there's so many talking points. Do we want to start with England's pace bowlers and the, the, the chances they created, the opportunities they created, or do we want to start with Travis Head playing sort of a dra- a dramatic innings? I think we'll start with England's bowlers and, and the morning session because, I, I, I mean, we, we talked yesterday about England leaving out Stuart Broad and the surprise that that uh, created in, in amongst... Not not least, I think, Broad himself, actually, was quite surprised about it. But anyway, I think England did miss a trick because... Although, well, though, Ollie Robinson bowled with the new ball and obviously he got Marcus Harris out early on, there was no uh, attempt to bowl round the wicket to Warner until Mark Wood came into the attack. And that's where Stuart Broad caused Warner all the problems. And although, you know, he still played and missed, he still had his luck, Warner, no one really bowled that type of uh, attack from round the wicket that Broad does uh, just exploring Warner's alignment and t- really testing him out. So that's, I think, the, the first trick that England missed. Warner made 94. Obviously, he had some luck uh, during during his innings. Um, we'll focus on that. Uh, definitely, it was a day of missed opportunities for England. And how often have we said that in Ashes series? But I think they, they there was a, a fundamental mistake at the start, and that was, A, leaving Broad out, and B, not either Robinson or Wokes, going round the wicket to him straight away. Wood did during his spell and obviously caused him problems. But clearly, Ollie Robinson is not comfortable bowling round the wicket. He only did, I think, for two balls in the, the day's play. And that's, that's a sort of little black mark against him. He's, he's an excellent bowler. He bowled superbly today until he tired towards the end. But that's just, I think, just simple things England missed like that. Yeah, well, for me, I think the, the one of the big big problems was that for me, I, and I said it, I've been saying it like a week out. I, I th- thought, and no, nothing that's happened in this game has changed my mind from this. I thought this, this is a five-seamer pitch, and it, it, it's proved to be. And if England had five-seamers today, I think they would have be been a far better position in this game than they are at the moment. I think they you know they look to be out of it unless they have you know produce a miracle like they did in 2010-11. They they are going to be one nil down uh, sometime in the next couple of days but you know, Broad had to play England had to play five seamers and they would have been at Australia all day today Australia they came out they attacked Jack Leach and that really worked for them it was a tactic that worked and it was a really difficult chastening day uh, for Jack Leach you know going at sort of nine runs and over and you know they just as soon as he came on they just tried to flog him straight away mm. and, it, and yeah. for the most part it worked and that I'd... that put so much pressure on England's bowlers and then Ben Stokes got his knee injury and you know so England were sort of down to sort of three main bowlers really so suddenly they had these lots of options and suddenly they were down to three and they you know they had to work so hard and that's how Travis Head was able to sort of benefit later in the day because England had a you know very tired and and rather threadbare attack but you know I do take your point about Robinson there were chances though for England I mean they, I mean they were really at Australia in that first session there were, there were so many of them that you know you, you it, it sort of felt so typical in a way, you know. Every, you know, I, I, I was commentating with Stuart Clark, and I said yesterday it was Australia bowling. Nick caught, Nick caught, Nick caught. Today it was Nick 
wider third slip. Nick just dropped short of Joe Root. Uh, play and miss, play and miss. And then, then of course, uh, I think this is going to be our sort of m big moment of the day. When Warner did nick an edge, there was a drop catch by Rory Burns at, at, at second slip. And it, it felt like a big moment just after lunch. And, you know, you know from when you played yours, you know, it's deflationary, isn't it? That sort of moment in the field, it really does def can deflate a side. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was the key moment of the day, I think. But just before we, we, we focus on that a bit more, I would say that what we've always said about playing in Australia is don't lose early wickets. England lost four in the first 12 overs. Australia lost one in the first 47 uh, Marnus Labashain was out uh, in the 48th over, I think, for, uh, at the score 166. Obviously, yeah, it was after right. that drop. It was after that drop catch, uh, uh, just after lunch. But what I thought was really impressive was Labashain's batting. So he had to come in quite early on with Marcus Harris back in the pavilion, and his judgment of what to play and what to leave. He averages, I think, 95 at the Gabba. Clearly loves batting there. And it was his judgment of what to play and what to leave, which I thought was absolutely superb. England bowled well. You know, they really tested his uh, his judgment and made the ball move a little bit, got the bounce. There was definitely something in the pitch with the new ball, but he just managed to leave the ball, even when it was close to the off stump, but bouncing over the off stump. He left on length. He knew that anything except pretty much a half volley was going to go over the stumps, and he didn't get drawn into playing some really good balls. And he got through that awkward patch, which Warner sort of struggled with, but also managed to get through. And Warner's just busyness at the crease, you know, getting singles as well and rotating the strike just puts the bowlers under pressure. But I thought that period of play was, was the key. And, you know, by the time England did get wickets, the ball was much older and it was easier for, for the later order batsman to get settled. And then there were all those missed chances. And obviously, straight after lunch, you know, it was so one down at lunch and you sort of think, right, OK, let's just regroup here as a team. Right, let's get, let's strike straight after lunch and the batsmen have got to, you know, sort of restart again. And there was that simple chance to second slip that went begging off Warner. And yeah, it's totally deflationary. And uh, really after that, well, there, there was another patch, uh, another period when England could have got back into the game, 190-odd for five. But, you know, when you're so weary and you've got only three bowlers, you know, they had, when there was that sort of period of, of changing the game again to round around the 200 mark, you know, the three faster bowlers were tiring and we, we were England were bowling Joe Root and a, a really innocuous Jack Leach. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of agree with you for, for the most part, but I, I think, OK, Australia did get, they were one down at lunch. I think on another day, it was, it, I think it was, it was sort of one of those days. On another day, they could easily have been three down at lunch. I mean, you, you mentioned Labuschagne. He, he edged Wokes just short of route at first slip. This is the Gabba. Nick's should carry. And, it's, you know, you sort of felt it should have carried. And then there was a, a pull shot. And it, it went just short of Ollie Pope. And England, had, you know, they'd done their their work, their homework. They had a, a sort of leg gully, sort of backwards square leg for, for Labuschagne. He went for the pull just short of Pope. So there were those moments uh, for England. And, of course, there was the Stokes no ball when he actually cleaned up Warner on, on 17. But 
you know, he had overstepped clearly, and, and that's that's Stokes's fault. Although the technology had, had broken down, so you know there were no balls earlier in the over, but they weren't picked up by the the standing umpire because it was on the it was the onus on the standing umpire to, to call them because the technology had broken down. And, you know, it didn't work throughout the day, and so it was sort of suspended. So in, in normally in a situation like that, you know, well, an umpire, the, the third umpire would have called it, and Stokes, you know, who, who knows, you know, he might have the ball that actually got worn, he might not have overstepped because he'd he'd had that warning, you know. No ball earlier in the over, so just those little things, those things that sort of didn't quite go England's way in that first session. But yeah, you're right, Labuschagne battled away. He did look solid, of course he did. And but Warner far more sketchy actually, and he struggled mm. against Mark Wood today. Wood sort of got his beans going, and he was not getting into line. He was sort of, you know, that he was he he was out towards square leg. His sort of body was lined up, well, not square leg, out towards leg stump. His body was lined up towards uh, leg stump, and you know, it, it was sort of, Warner got away with it a bit today. It would have been the, I mean, if you got a hundred, it would have been one of the sort of scratchiest hundreds, I mean, possibly actually since Rory Burns got the hundred against Australia Edgbaston, you know, when he was sort of playing and missing and you know, being dropped and that sort of thing, and he just about got through so I mean I thought overall it was a really interesting day's play and the morning was fascinating because England uh, did bowl well but I think as I said it would have helped them if they had five seamers and I just think they should have put them in I really do because I think Mm. maybe maybe if they had if they'd fielded five seamers maybe they would have done Uh, so it was was all about the selection and I suppose thinking with Leach in the side that uh, that they would you know be handy having him in the fourth innings to bowl, so bat first. I mean, Leach is is the weak link, isn't he? I mean, you can't legislate for Stokes getting injured, though, of course, ironically, it was off Leach that I think Stokes did get injured when he misfielded the ball and had to chase it to the boundary, and that's when I think he did some kind of tweak to his knee, and which caused him to be ineffective, really, for the rest of the day. But Leach, to me, I was actually looking at his action, and there's just nothing on the ball. You know, you, you want a spinner to be able to to get the ball to drift and dip, you know, by imparting spin, by having a fairly conventional action. You want the ball to, to do something in the air, slightly curve or, or dip or, or just sort of just get that slight angle that then helps the ball to spin. But he's got nothing on it at all. His arm is beyond the perpendicular. So everything is angling in towards leg stump to the left-handers. In fact, I'd be quite interested to see how many of his deliveries would have hit the stumps because he was bowling outside leg stump to the left-handers and seemed to be bowling outside leg stump to the right-handers as well. And they were just picking him off. I mean, there was no respect at all. And he gave them a lot of pretty easy balls to help themselves to. It was sort of cafeteria bowling, really. Yeah, well, they they took him on to start with, didn't they? I mean, that was the thing. They came down the pitch and they tried to whack him. Even Steve Smith, second ball, came down the pitch uh, to, to Jack Leach and miscued to deep mid-wicket and picked up, but you know, a rather streaky boundary. That was, you know, an absolutely clear tactic, and that that puts pressure, you know, back on the England pace bowlers. You know, they've got to bowl against. You've got to take Leach out of the attack, and it, it was premeditated and it was ruthless and it was it was largely speaking, it was superbly executed by Australia. Leach did get one wicket not a particularly good delivery and Labuschagne we had to drag himself off after you know miscuing uh, to backward points or t- top edging a, a cut shot when he had lots of the field to aim at on the offside yeah so you know a, a chasing day for Leach you, you mentioned he was bowling sort of leg stump and outside I and mean, there was a point when he was bowling to Travis Head where he had six men on the leg side boundary and yeah he was bowling yeah a, a line of leg stump and ju- just outside and 
head was sort of picking him off and there was a few loose balls as well a couple of short balls which he whacked away and there was a misfield by Hamid on the boundary and that was four as well and it was it was one of those days for for Jack Leach really tough and and you think as well you know if Stokes is it can't bowl much or can't bowl in the rest of the series or can't bowl for a while, then how does Jack Leach get in the side? Because when Stokes wasn't playing in the summer, of course, they couldn't fit a, a frontline spinner in. So, you know, it's Jack Leach came, you know, came here thinking, I think he was going to play a big part in the Ashes, but after, you know, after one day of bowling and, and an injury to Ben Stokes potentially, you know, where, where, where does that leave him for the rest of the series? Okay, are you struggling to stay awake through the night to follow the ashes or to rise at five and catch up with the play? So here's a tip. Don't resort to that usual caffeine fix or energy drink that'll briefly have the desired effect but then leave you feeling rubbish for the rest of the day. The answer is Mission Teas. Mission have created a new range of 100% natural performance teas to provide that thing we all need more of, sustainable energy. Mission was created by Tom Whittle after an epic nine-month cycle ride through South America introduced him to the benefits of various herbal teas with ingredients like yerba mate and rooibosh. They're a favourite amongst professional athletes, including members of the England team, and I've been drinking the Energise one, containing cocoa nibs and ginger, and it's actually made me feel livelier in those dark, cold early mornings. So we've partnered with Mission to give you, the listeners, 20% off your next order. All you need to do is head to missionuk.com, discover the teas you need to fuel your day, whether you're looking for better energy, enhanced performance or boosted recovery, and enter the code CRICKET20, all one word, at checkout. That's CRICKET20 at missionuk.com. Reward your mind and body with natural, sustainable energy. Let's focus on one or two of the Australian batsmen. Uh, it's funny, isn't it, getting through a whole day's play, Australia in a dominant position, without much of a contribution from Steve Smith, who played a strangely frenetic little innings. Well, he's got, I think he's got more frenetic over the last couple of years generally, and maybe even sort of since Jofra Archer's spell at Lords, which really roughed him up and, and, and freaked him out a bit. Uh, he just seemed to become even more on edge as a, as a player. And here, in this innings, he was jumping around his crease as usual, down the wicket to, to Jack Leach's second ball, a slightly lucky clip through mid-wicket for four, up the wicket again to, to Leach, slicing him over, over the covers rather luckily. I thought he, he looked all right against uh, Mark Wood, actually, and England clearly had a, an unusual plan with a very strong leg side field, a leg slip, a short leg, and a man in front of square on the leg side as well, and aiming to bowl very straight. Bowling at the, he looked as if Wood was pitching it up mostly, and bowling at the stumps, which is good to see, and with some protection on the leg side, but the odd ball outside off stump, one of which he nicked in the end. And actually, the one he nicked didn't really do much. Uh, it, it was a sort of, it was a strange innings and not that convincing an innings, I thought. One of three twelves for Australia today. We had three ducks for England yesterday and three twelves for Australia today. It was a ball outside the off stump from Wood and he, he, he nicked it through to Butler. It was sort of a bit of a surprise really. Just four on the offside, five on the leg side. I, I thought, you know, it was interesting to see England 
come up with a plan and stick to the plan, I suppose. I mean, in, a, in, a, in one sense, of course, Smith you know, wasn't there that long, so they could you know, stick with the plan. They didn't have to change it because you know, he hadn't really gone anywhere. You know, most of his runs had come off uh, Jack Leach, as you say, with the slice and the, and the clip through uh, mid-wicket. So, you know, a sort of bonus for England today. Smith out at 189 uh, for three. And then, you know, a couple of quick wickets. Warner miscuing a drive caught off uh, Robinson and then Cameron Green uh, misjudging one bowl off stump one you know letting the ball go and then the focus was on Travis Head I mean it, Australia's batting today good at the top Warner and Nabishane you know, digging in and making it hard for England laying the base and then Travis Head coming out and uh, you know this is a guy who you know it's all under pressure his place was he going to play the word in the lead up to the match was that Kawaja was going to get the nod but Head actually got the nod and you actually look at Head Talk about preparation for this series, and you know some players didn't have much preparation. Travis Head did. He played mm. five Shield matches. He scored around about 350 runs, averaging 49. So actually, he was in quite a good place, mm. and you know, and he benefited. You know, probably benefited from that preparation, and he benefited from the position that Australia uh, were in as well when he came to the crease. You know, he had a little bit of license. He had some, you know, some good fortune early on, and goodness me, didn't didn't he? Sort of Sort of take it to England, and he, he kept on being aggressive as well. Though, you know, he risked not getting a hundred with some of the shots he was playing. Uh, you know, against the spinner, for example, you know, against Root, he got a bit, he got a bit lucky. But you know, he just took the game away from England that final session. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, I he mean, did. You know, he you know, did. Hats off to him. Magnificent effort from him. Eighty-five it, ball hundred. Yeah, fantastic. It's one of the quickest in Test history, mm. isn't it? And. Mm. It's a sort of evoked Adam Gilchrist's kind of approach mm. when he used to come in and do that for Australia. And uh, I, I guess what got him going was that, that Stokes over when Stokes tried again with his niggling knee injury and just couldn't really get any kind of any pace or any consistency. And Travis Head took him for three fours and then he was sort of up and running and he, he got after Leach as well. And you felt in the end, I mean, actually some of the Australian commentators and the the Australian commentary on TV was annoyingly triumphalist, as you'd expect, because with no Englishman as part of it, uh, they were just kind of, uh, you know, kind of slapping each other on the back all the time. But um, I think it was Mark War kind of described Travis Head as like a lion flogging some lame antelopes in, in the savannah, you know, try, pursuing them and uh, pulling them apart. And, yeah, it, it looked like that because England were tiring. Robinson had to go off in the end. He th I think he still has to work on his fitness. It, it, his pace was dropping, but he did bowl really well. I thought Mark Wood kept going manfully. He was absolutely fantastic. He deserved so much more than, than his one wicket. But towards the end, Travis had you know, laid into him a little bit with one or two of those wider balls and played a, an absolutely, well, I mean, a scintillating innings. Brilliant. Yeah, it was it was wonderful from from Head. He really sort of just confirmed Australia's dominance, and of course he's back for more. And you know potential for for more runs. Australia still got those three wickets left, and you know they can have some fun in the morning. Uh, in, a, in a way, it wouldn't matter if they lost you know three for nothing. They still got a two hundred run lead, but you know they could actually put some more pressure on England tomorrow. You know you know these horrible hours that sometimes you get. We we see what we used to see Australia do it a lot when they were really dominant. You know when they had that fantastic side, you had them six or seven down. You thought, oh, are we through here? No, because they you know they come out and add another. 150 for the last four wickets 
and yeah, who who knows? I mean, they could well be. They put on another hundred runs, and and you know all that sort of chasing around in the in the heat of the morning in in Brisbane, you know, will make it tough for England when they come out to bat the second time. I mean, just you talked about England's three, you know, Wood keeping going. I yeah, I thought he was excellent. I thought Robinson's good, and Stoke and Wokes as well. You know, you know good supporting role. Perhaps you know not quite the threat of the other two, but that, so those three England main seamers, fifty eight overs between them, five for one hundred and sixty one. The other bowlers, the support bowlers, you like Stokes with this injury, Jack Leach and, and Joe Root, two for 174 from 26 overs. And, you know, you can see that huge disparity in, in England's attack today. But, I, you know, I, I think the mistakes have been made all the way along the line for England. You know, team selection, toss selection, and then you know, not able to come up with enough runs when, when they batted in difficult conditions against a good bowling side on the first day you know they've always sort of been behind it throughout the game and Australia just sort of confirmed that position of dominance with the way uh, they batted today any anti-English comment in the in, in the press from the Aussies I mean I I could imagine the Courier Mail in Brisbane you know coming out after the first day's play with can anyone play cricket in England kind of thing or can anyone bat in England or something um, but I, I mean I suppose they wouldn't be too harsh because the contest today was alive for half the day, but I suppose in the end, two thirds of it, two thirds of the day. Yeah, really, it's yeah. just, but it's, but it again, it's like we said right at the start, of pre, one of the previews, we talked about grabbing the key moments, and England had probably eight or nine opportunities to grab the key moments today and missed all of them. Well, there are other there are other opportunities, but there were run out opportunities, and it, it seems so rare that England hit the stumps when they're presented with a, an opportunity. There was one, Steve Smith. Okay, it didn't cost very much. David Milan throw from, uh, the, I'm just trying, yeah, mid wicket, missed the stumps by cut a long way. Hamid at short leg when uh, Warner had 60. It was a good piece of fielding actually to stop it initially. Warner went off for the single, didn't expect Hamid to stop it, and Warner was sort of scrambling to get back. And in the end, he didn't really get back. He sort of, he sort of threw his bat over the line, and he, you know he wasn't in contact with his bat. And Hamid from quite close in. Missed the stumps, you know. So there, you know, there were those opportunities as well, as well as the the Burns drop catch, and there were the one, you know, the edges that were wide, edges that were short. Um, it, it was sort of one of those days. It's just that contrast, isn't it? It's funny, isn't it, when a, a dominant team is there, you know, bowling and edge. As I said earlier, edge court, edge court, edge court. Yeah, and then. Top and edge. those half chances as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the half chances to Australia. A yeah. couple of deep, 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 long leg catches, for instance. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant diving catches, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, and, and England you know, didn't quite nail that uh, today. You know, mm. there were some good things. I think you know the other thing as well to say is that of course you know England are unprepared, underprepared. You know the bowlers. You know, we talked about Robinson's cramp, Stokes's injury. You know they they don't have that sort of fitness in their legs. And the, the benefit for Australia is they only had to bowl 50 overs yesterday. Whereas England uh, were out there you know all day. Uh, their over eight was lamentable actually. I mean perhaps you can sort of understand it in the heat and the fact that it was the, their first proper day in the field in Australia. They've been going for those long walks in. Brisbane, but I don't. You can't replicate, a, you know, a day in the no. field. You know, under under pressure as well, and you know the heat and of battle in in, in an Ashes contest with a with a big crowd in, and you know some quality batsmen, you know, putting you under pressure. So you know, it was sort of, sort of ultimately a chastening day for England. Not not a day without some merit, though. I think you know it's definitely worth saying that. You know, there was there was some definitely some notable performances, but. 
they were let down by you know some things that sort of just felt out of their control and a few things that were were in their uh, control and Australia clearly in a in a very strong position after two days of this test match so where, where are we now yours I think we have to do our our predict the score don't we for the uh, third right, day you have of this to go match. first this time <laughs> Okay, I, you went first last night. I mean, it was a remarkable last night because we didn't know what the other was going to say. We'd both written down a score and we were within one run of each other and we went for the same number of wickets. And we, you know, as we were saying at the start, we weren't that far off because Australia were at 1.195 for four, but the weather uh, did not intervene today. And it's apparently it's not going to intervene tomorrow. The forecast is good for Brisbane, a warm, sunny day. So you'd think, you know, a reasonable uh, batting day. Okay, I'm going to go first. My score prediction... Uh, for close of play on the third day of this Ashes Test match is England, 201 for seven. What have you written down? Okay, I've written 245 for seven. Ooh. I think they're going to get a few runs in the second innings but lose you know, quite a, lot, quite a lot of wickets. 201 for seven it doesn't feel like that's... Because they're going to be, I think... They'll try, they should be able to get 90 overs in if they start early. Are they mm. starting earlier again tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, half an hour is so we had 98 overs in theory in the day's play. So we, we didn't get anywhere near that. We were something like 14 overs down today, which is, you know, incredible, really. I mean, so 84 it, it, overs. So really, three, three and over get, gives you 240. Well, yeah, I, I, I think the run rate will be between 2.5 and 3. So, mm. uh, yeah, you're, I mean, you know, 200 to 240 is the sort of. Mm. benchmark it's just a question of how many wickets England lose obviously the more wickets they lose the less runs they'll score mm. so, so you say 201 for seven I say 245 for seven we'll see yeah. so we're in we're in the we're, we're sort of thinking along the similar lines again uh Yoz uh, of course the other thing is it depends how long Australia bat for I mean they can have you know they they could cause some problems as I was saying earlier uh, yeah. for England uh, before lunch with head to come back and and start to come out, and the other people coming back as well, you know, tired bowlers, you know, who've had a really tough day in the field, and they've got to come back and rouse themselves in the morning, get rid of the, you know, the cramp and those tired muscles. And you, you know what that's like, don't you, as a, as a former bowler yourself, after you've been oh. in the field, and you know, one la long, hard day, say, say, early season, and you perhaps got to come back and bowl the next day. Yeah, and of course the great advantage of Australia is they will have had a day and a mm. half, or a day and a third of rest, so their bowlers will be fresh, and they haven't bowled that many overs. Mm. So it's it's all in Australia's favour, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I mean, it could well end tomorrow. We we we're suggesting it, it won't end tomorrow, but it, you know, we're also suggesting it might be close to finishing tomorrow you know, if England are something like seven down. It's been a tough couple of days uh, for England in Brisbane. I mean, not particularly surprising. You know, the history of the ground, the history of the of Ashes contests. Uh, you know, I think we worked out the other day uh, that England have won something like six of their last 45 test matches in Australia since Mike Gattingside won in 86, 87. It's something like that anyway. We were sort of doing it on the back of a fag packet over over dinner the other night. So, you know, it's... Well, it's, it's, actually, it's actually only two tests that they've won when the Ashes were still alive mm. since the mid-90s yeah. uh, because they did win three tests in that series in 2010-11, but the third test was by, by then the Ashes yeah. had already been secured. So the third test is sort of less relevant in a way. So only two tests in the last 25, 30 years, one in Australia. Uh, there have been kind of some heroes created in that time, even though uh, they haven't necessarily been on a winning side. And just to mention, uh, we've created this AshesHeroes.com website to uh, look at and examine the great, the great Ashes heroes of the past and created some NFTs, some digital art assets that you can collect 
uh, as a result. Go and have a look at that website, actually, because we're trying to create some interaction, some interesting comments and polls on, you know, who was your favourite greatest Ashes player. And, and you can buy these uh, NFTs as well in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust. And in mentioning that also, we've got Mike Hussey, who's going to be our guest uh, next Monday night in the Virtual Cricket Club to look back at the, the first test and look ahead to the second test. And you can join us in the Virtual Cricket Club to talk to Mike Hussey, ask him a question yourself if you go to worldsbestcricketclub.com. I tried, I did a bit of an experiment actually last night, Simon, and did uh, I tried Twitter Spaces and I talked for about half an hour on Twitter Spaces with a random number of guests who came on. Quite an interesting one, that, actually. There's lots of quite interesting thoughts from all over the world. So I might be doing that again shortly as well. Well, you might not have noticed this, Yoz, but I joined you as well for 15 minutes to, to, to eavesdrop. You never you, said you, anything. Well, I, I, I didn't want to interrupt. I, I was happy to listen to the, the questions from all the people who, who joined you. There were some very thoughtful questions, and um, dare I say it, well, the odd thoughtful answer as well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Yoz, I think that's about it. Yeah, it's been it. a you know a, a chastening day for for England at the Gabba. Um, can they rise themselves and improve on the, on the third day and, and try to you know, fight their way back into the game? You'd, you'd say odds against, but we'll we'll find out tomorrow. I'll be part of the Test Match Special Team, which is on air at, at eleven o'clock, and we'll be back uh, on this podcast uh, tomorrow evening to review the third. Who knows, possibly the, the final day, and then we'll be hoping to extend the game. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this roundup. We'll speak to you again soon. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening, everyone. Podcast Network.